0: Blog talk Radio. have you ever dreamed of one day becoming a speaker and sharing your knowledge and life experiences with others but just didn't know where to begin then you've tuned into the right show on love that speaker you will hear from speakers in various stages of their journey to the front of the room they will share some of their ups and downs as well as tips and tricks to creating a talk and getting booked so, grab a cup of coffee and pen a notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host today, Dr. Vicki High and Linda Ballistetos.
1: Hey, folks, this is Linda Ballistetos. Thanks so much for joining us here on Love That Speaker. I'm here with my co host, Dr. Vicki. Hi. Hey,
2: Vicki. Good morning, Linda. It's great to be here.
1: I'm so glad we're both here. It's so exciting. We've really had a lot of fun launching our new radio show, haven't we, Vicki?
2: Yes, we have. I, you know, at one point I was listening to. Uh, information about speakers, you know, to gather some research, and, you know, it's great to be able to enjoy what you do and then get paid for it. That's what public speaking is all about, I think. Yeah,
1: and, you know, um, there is that side of public speaking, but we also talk to those entrepreneurs that are uh, public speakers promoting their business, not necessarily getting paid for it as a public speaker, but promoting their business, educating people about it. So there's a lot of different ways to use the front of the room, so to speak, to further your career, whether, it's a, whether it is a speaker or whether it's an entrepreneur head of your own company.
2: Absolutely, and if you think about it, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, they are making money. They're just making more sales. They are finding the people that will help them make those sales, and so they're looking at success. It's just in a different, more indirect fashion. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, You know, everybody's probably heard of, especially if you're a speaker, you've all heard of Toastmasters, and I think Toastmasters is a really good place to – to get started, I'm not going to say that I am a Toastmasters graduate because I don't I don't abide by the rules, so to speak. But um, for those of you that have never done anything, you might even want to check into a Toastmasters close to you. Visit one, see if it's for you. In fact, I had belonged to a mm-hmm. Toastmasters chapter that was specifically designed for uh, project managers because many project managers were really good at details. And I know, Vicki, you've been a project manager, really good at details. But you also have to be able to communicate the ideas, the
2: process,
1: and lead a team.
2: You know, Linda, when you are a project manager, it's really important to follow some of the tips that we've laid out because you don't want to go to your um you know, leadership, and suddenly blurb out all of these details when they're looking for a higher level impact. They want to know facts and figures and ratios and return on investment kinds of information. They don't want to hear all of the details that support that. So, you know, this too will help people to know the kind of information that they need to share.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the things that we talked about in an earlier show, being concise and, you know, being targeted and having having an idea of how to roll some of that out. So, Vicky, I know that some of the things that you talked about early on was, um, you know, the, the personal reputation and the professionalism. Can you skim over a couple of the things that you um, talked about earlier?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, First of all, it is so important to communicate clearly. Sometimes people start rambling. And so just, again, to be concise is to give the ideas in a way that are organized, that tell you what is going to happen. When you present yourself more polished, then people see you differently. You know, I know that that's kind of tried and true, but it's the truth. Um, as you begin to communicate they see you with a depth of knowledge, and then they want to come back to you for more information.
1: Yeah, because they know that they can get because they can get that information from you quickly, and um, I might as well say with less pain than someone who is who's going to give you the information and you have to hunt for it. Uh, You almost want to talk to people sometimes in bullet points, don't you think?
2: I do think so. Um, Bullet points versus paragraphs, especially when Mm -hmm. you're trying to get across a point. Um, One of the things we've talked about is fighting for your uh, stand or your belief or your ideas. You know, often we grow up, at least in the generation you and I are in, that we were to be seen and not heard. And so sometimes it's overcoming that reluctance. Uh To stand up and be and speak and be heard, because we have valuable information, and as we have the courage to speak up, then we're seen as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a situation come up when I was a contractor for a major uh, communications company, an entertainment company, and everybody's heard of them, but I won't name them here. Anyway, it was very interesting because I said something. And I'm intuitive. I've used my intuition through business for a long time. And so I said something knowing it was factual. And the manager that I spoke to, she said, you can't possibly know that. And so here I was faced with, do I know it? That's my truth. Mm. And I said back to her, I said, you know, I've been relying on this um, channel of information for a long time. And I feel confident that it's true. And sure enough, it came to pass. So um, I think sometimes that changes how they see you. And it's important for us to stand in that power.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, you know, Vicki, that leads right into uh, gaining people's trust and respect very quickly. Because when you stood in your power, then you you stood there and they had to listen to you because you were – adamant that you were you were telling the truth and it's important also when you're when you're on the stage when you're at the front of the room um, a, a great way to gain their trust is to just let them know that you not only do you know your stuff but you know it because you've been through it before you know it because you've been where they are before you know it because you have a story. By the way, let me tell you my story. And then you point out those pain points, That's what I like to call them, those pain points that everyone can start shaking their head yes. And when they start nodding their head yes, that's when you know that they're with you and that you've connected with them and you have their attention.
2: You know, Linda, I have a story that I'd like to share about that. I had this great idea when I was developing classes, and it was to help people really present themselves in an amazing way and get the attention of somebody within a five-minute span. That's all they'd have. So I designed this really cool class, and I presented it to people that, you know, were decision makers on whether we would go ahead with the class or not. And one of the decision makers said, absolutely not. It won't work. And the other decision maker who was in sales said, I love it. Let's do it. And so it was fascinating to me how that decision came about. So I did a a pilot program of the class, but I did it to people who were not salespeople, and it bombed. And, of course, at the 11th hour, they were like, oh, this isn't going to work. We need to regroup. And I said, no, no, no. Let me just walk you through it during the class. I'll be there to audit, and let's just prove whether it works or not. Because courseware developers and salespeople are two different kinds of personalities. And so it was funny because I knew it was going to work. I knew inside that it was going to work. And so it ended up being one of those classes where, The instructor told me, he said, Vicki, this is the greatest class that I teach. And it was Mm -hmm. because the salespeople did a totally different, they came from a different perspective. So it was one of those times when you stood up for what you really believed in because you knew deep down it was really the right thing to do. And I think that is what we do as speakers often is that we do it because we feel that strongly about it. Mm hmm
1: and, you know, and you're right, but, Vicki, when you had uh, someone that was telling you that this is not the right direction to go in and doubting what you had to say, um, how do you deal with difficult people like that, whether they are the decision makers or whether they're in the audience? How do you deal with those almost like uh, hecklers, so to speak?
2: Well, I usually fall back on humor. When you um, use force, you are suddenly, it's like two bulls butting heads. You're not going to give ground, and they're not going to give ground. So for me, I try not to get into that, you know, two powerhouses hitting head to head. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. get you anywhere. So I usually use humor, not sarcasm, but humor humor. And I usually know my subject well enough. If I'm, going, if I'm going into a situation where I am going to have to convince somebody to do something differently, I better have my ducks in a row. I will put forth, you know, like in the story I just shared, I will identify that, you know, we tried it with a different group of people than actually who would use it. You know, the cool part is, is that when you know that, you have faith in it, and you can sell that idea to somebody a lot easier. Um, there are other people that, you know, like the people that said, oh, no, we need to do this, but we need to do it in a different way. And I said, you haven't tried it the way it was written. If you do that first and it doesn't work, I'll, I will be happy to to change it and modify it to make it work better. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that their objections went away Because the result of this sales class that I did, people were already selling and they weren't even out of class. They were closing deals because of this information. And one student said, can we do this every day? Time to be excellent just the way it was. It was really a fun fun experience for me and an empowering one because of what happened as a result.
1: So what you're saying too is, Um, Even though you're a speaker, there still has to be that communication that you're communicating from the stage and, you know, communicating whether, um, you know, communicating from sincerity or authenticity or, you know, in this particular case, the reliability, because you're saying, no, I know it works.
2: How important is that? Well, it's hugely important, Linda, and you can tell You know, there are a lot of things. We talked at one point, I think it was during one of your sessions, about um, nonverbal versus verbal impressions. And it's my understanding that 93% of what impressions we get are nonverbal. Only 7% are from the words you speak. So when you're at the front of the room or standing behind the podium or in a meeting, then you can look around, if you're observing, you can look around and see what um, has been called micro expressions. And you know these, even though you may not know them, um, you know, consciously, you've seen them unconsciously. Imagine yourself in a room and all of a sudden you look at your boss and you've made a statement and the frown comes on his face or her face. You've been there? And you go, oh, yeah. Uh-oh, wonder what mm-hmm. I just did. So right. you are observing as that speaker. How is your message being received? It could be that you know there's a blank wall, and you think mm, they're not getting this. I need to use different examples, or it could be that um, you know they may be con- they may be heavily in their mind with reviewing the conversation they had with their teenage daughter before she left for school has nothing to do with you, but they're not present in your, you know, in the room with you either. So you can gauge a lot of things based on somebody's micro expressions or even the words they say in feedback.
1: Yeah. um, You know, that, that is critical. One of the things that we've, we've talked about is those first impressions and how important it is when you step on that stage, those to have that impression and to grab your audience. But, you know, Vicki, like I said um, in one of the previous shows, um, you have to start that, building that first impression before you even get on the stage. And uh, yeah, there's so much that you can do in getting, get, setting the tone before the day of the talk. Um, You know, doing your social media um, uh, marketing so that everybody knows that you're excited about this. And if you're excited, then they're going to be excited and they're going to want to come and they're going to want to hear you. can't tell you how many times I've looked at a conference and thought, oh, um, I don't want to see that one, but I want to see that one because that sounds really exciting. And I've been following them on, on Facebook and social media So that's important, that um, pre-event or pre-talk work that we do prior to the show. Um, You know, it's important to, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, it's important to be prepared. Now, everybody says, oh, I'm prepared for that talk. Let me ask you this. Are you prepared for that talk so thoroughly that if, technology didn't work and you didn't have your PowerPoint, you could still deliver a heck of a presentation. If you're relying too heavily on the PowerPoint, mm-hmm. you're not prepared. Because Vicki, you and I both know that technology does have glitches in it. I don't care how much we try, mm-hmm. technology is, is, it can be the the thing that Uh, determines whether we're a good speaker or a great speaker.
2: Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure you as well as I have been ready to get on board, and we get there and we're ready. And I like to print my slides up for that very reason, because um, I have notes on them. I can speak to them, even if nobody sees the pictures, if the technology fails, if I've prepared well enough, then I can still speak to the subject whether I have any visual aids or not.
0: Right. And
2: I think that I. I also think that new speakers have a tendency when they get really nervous to read the slides anyway. Mm-hmm. And we talked mm-hmm. about that too. That that is a critical um, mistake. That new speakers tend to make. Don't read your slides. People in the audience can read or you wouldn't have put it up there. And then you said use fewer words. I think that that is something we can do in our presentation slides. Use fewer words and then fill in the details with the conversation that you need to have about that slide.
0: So, Mm -hmm.
2: you know, how we use our visual aids, I think either augment or take away from our presentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: And all of this will present you as an expert. You know, you want to be seen. One of the reasons that many of us as entrepreneurs, we want to speak is to be seen as an expert in our industry. And I think a great way to do that is to offer workshops or um, become known as that educator. Another thing that I've always enjoyed doing, Vicki, is participating in a panel discussion. So uh, I don't know about you, but I just love panel discussions because you feed off of each other's energy and knowledge, and it becomes really an open conversation, which is more interesting than, um, than a talk.
2: Well, recently I attended... You know, we say attended, but I attended an online summit about publishing. It's one of the things that I'm interested in uh, in a different facet of the business, and so it was fascinating to me. I watched this panel discussion of these four um, they happen to be women because it was a women's event, but they were talking about their um, what they their expertise and their knowledge. What I loved seeing was that it became a collaborative event Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: they were, light bulbs were going off in one panel's uh, mind while the other panelists were speaking. And then it was like, oh, wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to implement that in my business. And then the other one would say, oh, I hadn't even thought about doing that. Or the other two would say, you know, we're both doing things, but it's for the same purpose, but we do it in a little different way. So, as a listener, I got to see four or five different approaches to choose from which one suited me best. It was a great, it was a great event,
1: and particularly
2: that. the panel discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Vicki, we need to take a real quick commercial break, but on the, uh, I'd like to dovetail on what you were talking about and talk a little bit more about what it it takes to become a dynamic speaker and what does dynamic mean? uh, Because that's what we all strive to be at the front of the room is dynamic so that you do hold people's attention. So When we come back from the commercial break, would you talk to us a little bit about that, please?
2: I sure will. I look forward to it.
1: Folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break and be back a little bit more with a recap um, from Dr. Vicki Ha and me, Linda Baustetis. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com.
0: Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. All Things Franchising is the radio show that you've been waiting for. Whether you're looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle by growing your business, allowing you to experience some of the fun things in life, or if you are looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Linda Baestetos is your host on All Things Franchising, where she interviews franchise experts from around the world. We feature top franchisers, franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, as well as others who support this fast-growing business model. Go to our Facebook and Twitter pages to listen to past shows and join the conversations on all things franchising. Have you ever been moved by a speaker who touches your heart? What are the unique talents that set them apart from other speakers? Do they have some magic formula for connecting? Do you want to become that kind of speaker? Dr. Vicki High and Linda Baestetos have a winning combination to present speakers that want people coming back for more. Together, they command a room, engage with audiences, and value laughter as a means to educate, inform, and entertain. If you'd like to learn from these two experts, join us to become a speaker who leaves the stage with Love That Speaker on everyone's lips. Email us at lovethatspeaker at gmail.com for more details. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Welcome back to Love That Speaker. This is Linda baez and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Vicki High. And we are getting ready to talk about dynamic speakers, a dynamic personality. Vicki, what are, what are the qualities of those people that stand at the front of the room and they just capture everyone's attention the moment they say their first word? What does it
2: take? I think that it takes a person who is connecting with that audience. You know, a lot of times there's a celebrity attached to the speaker themselves, but I find that I resonate with speakers who are, they informed, but I love a speaker that is going to reach out and pretend that she and, or he and I are having coffee and it's just the two of us in the room. Mm-hmm. that kind of a dynamic connection makes all the difference, I think. You know, there have been
1: times I've walked away thinking, I felt like they were talking right to me. How do you have that intimate connection? Because that's what it is. Because when I walk away, there are times I think I felt like I was sitting there. in, And, and if there wasn't a room of 500 people. And it was just me and the speaker talking over a cup of coffee. How do you make that intimate connection in when you have a larger audience?
2: I believe it has to do with a foundational um, point that is personal power. That speaker has to know themselves fully and be real, authentic, even vulnerable. One of my favorite speakers that Epitomizes that today Is Brene Brown She's a, a professor At the University of Houston She has opened up the discussion Almost single handedly On shame and vulnerability In our society And talk about And she's gifted She's a gifted speaker At being able to signal somebody out And talk directly to them In the midst of her You know her talk So she provides us a great example of how to do that. But I also think she knows her subject matter so that she's, you know, she comes out telling you what she's discovered. She has an organized approach as to how she's going to present the information. And then she does a powerful close. She uses lots of stories that we're talking about because the stories make her approachable. She stood up on the stage and told us about facts, it would be a totally different kind of presentation. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: so true, Vicky, because you know there's a rule of thumb in um, a lot of industries where they say facts tell, but stories sell. So when someone, when you tell a story and they can see themselves in it, then that's when you have their attention, that's when they're listening. And when you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough, and I tell you what, Brene Brown is absolutely brilliant at this because she will share some very um, almost intimate moments that maybe she and her husband had, conversations that they had, and share how um, maybe she misunderstood or maybe what there was that moment that could have been... Could have uh, made a different outcome if they had responded differently. So she's excellent in that, uh, in telling the stories. So, um,
2: Vicky, what about I want to you... say one. Mm-hmm. I want to say one thing about Brene Brown because I think it's important. They are on the verge of when she tells those stories. They're on the verge of making me uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. You know, it's that intimate into her life. And I've seen her use somebody in the audience to pose as her husband and ask what's his next, what would he say next to her? Uh Uh (laughs) And I think, ooh, you know, but that is another sign of a great speaker. If they can make us uncomfortable, they're making us think. Why does that make me uncomfortable? Why do I want to respond the way I do? And is this uncovering something that I wasn't even aware of that exists within me? And that, I think, is amazing.
1: But what's so funny in the way she does that, Vicki, is that at the end of it, everybody's laughing. You know, they're laughing because she has made us feel uncomfortable but all, also allowed us to laugh at the bizarreness of some of the, the stories that she's telling. So I love that. Thanks for sharing that part of it because it's so true. What are some other things and, that, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, we see ourselves in her story, but she's yeah. having the courage to speak about it on stage before thousands of people. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So what are some other things that you want to share that maybe we touched on over the last, um, I guess it's three, uh, radio shows? What else is it that you would like to share with our listeners?
2: I would like to address the fear of public speaking. First of all, everybody has a, a spectrum of fear. It could be, oh, I just have a few butterflies before I go on stage, to I'm panicked and terror-filled, and I can't even be sure that I'm going to speak when it's my turn to open my mouth. Will words come out? And, you know, I remember, um, and I think I shared with this this story in one of the um, previous shows, that I backed out of a competition that I could have easily won because of my own fear, it still is a, a measurement for me about risk taking. Because you know you're not going to. I mean, some people are fabulous at speaking. They're going to step out and their first engagement is going to be amazing. That's rare. That's not the norm. The norm is you're going to get up there. You may bumble over your words. You may forget a point. Or there have been hundreds of times where I've left the stage and said, I forgot to tell them about that. Because when you're in the moment and you're talking about the things that you're talking about, I typically over-prepare and then I have material left over. And that's a, that's a good thing sometimes. But I think that you have to step through your fear and just be present in the moment in order to have that fear diminish over time. What do you think, Linda?
1: Well, you know, we've been talking about um, speakers that are, that are um, earning money as a speaker and then entrepreneurs. Well, that entrepreneur, that speaking opportunity may be at a networking event where you're just talking to someone. That may be when you do your 30-second commercial. And that always brings me back to the very first networking event that I went to. And I stood in a corner and I hoped no one would talk to me, Vicki, because I didn't have a clue as to what to say. I was there fifteen <laughs> minutes and I left because fear got over me. I mm. I didn't have anyone say to me, Okay, you need to practice your 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 commercial. You need to practice what you're going to, to say at this event. You need to do some research. You need to see who's going to be there so you know what to talk about. So that's why I created, out of that came a, a lot of my um, network classes, networking classes, where I taught people how to do that. Just taught people how to have conversation. But it, it, it becomes almost very casual, but you've prepared for it. And I think that is the sign of a true expert, is when you can prepare a talk, when you can prepare to say your 30-second commercial or do your two-minute spotlight, and for it to come off as though it's just conversation and it just flows instead of it sounding so rigid. Um, People will listen when it's a conversation rather than when it is a presentation. What are your thoughts on that, Vicki?
2: I so agree. Haven't you ever been in a networking meeting where, um, in fact, I for a long time, I didn't go to networking meetings. I would walk in, and there would not be anyone that greeted me. There would not be anybody that wasn't very self-centered as far as, this is why I'm here. I'm here to promote my business. I really don't want to know about you. And when you have that attitude, then you're really not going to be heard or seen as somebody who is interested in a mutually beneficial, collaborative-type event, you know? Right. And I think when people – what people want to do in a public speaking, whether it's a networking event or an actual public speaking – I believe that if I'm up to teach something, I'm going to learn at the same time. If you're not learning and teaching during the thing, I can't always be the teacher and I can't always be the student. I have to have it be a combination of both. And so when we adopt that, it's easier to go into a situation and ask questions and then actually listen to what they have to say to us. Mm -hmm. Because I Uh, think that that is a important in public speaking is the listening aspect, and you don't always hear that.
1: Right. Um, One of the things that I think we touched on in one of the earlier shows was uh, when when you're public speaking or you're getting ready to present that day, whether it's a breakout session or whether it is keynote, I think it's important to get out and mingle with those who are going to be your audience because you get to ask questions. Why are they here? What do they want to hear? And always be ready to tweak your talk on the fly. Because if you are if if the, uh, there's a common thread with those in the audience that you're mingling with, if there's and you haven't included that in your talk, always be always be flexible enough to be able to tweak it, and that customizes it on the spot for that audience.
2: Um, I have another. I think those are great ideas, Linda, that just my mind went into overdrive on some of that, and that tells me those are things that we really need to hear. Um, I was also... um, Another thought occurred to me about the listening and the talking at a networking meeting, um, I don't know, a few years ago. There was an opportunity for speakers to present their business information. And so this one lady that was a public speaker, um, you know, everybody was going to take turns to present their um, ideas and their company information. And she quickly asked, what can I do for can I do more than just the one can I do four different presentations oh and I thought <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> <day> hit <laughs> okay. okay uh I think I had the same exact reaction I went <laughs> wow uh, and it wasn't a necessarily a good reaction because I thought right. Do you have that much to say? But um, I, it left an impression after all these years to, you know, to be mindful of the fact that other people have something to say. And it's really important. If you want to be heard, you have to listen. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to exchange information mm-hmm. and not just be a dictator dictating your information to somebody, regardless of whether they're going to hear it or hear it in the right way. Um because that that, to me, is not a polished speaker. That is a person who really needs to be in front of people. And that's a totally different agenda, I think.
1: Yeah, um, what you find when you're out networking is that you it's very quick to identify someone who is there just for the transaction and not for the relationship. When I go to a networking exactly. event, I am looking for relationships, Vicki. But you can always tell the ones that come up, and they all but say, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Oh, do you want to buy my stuff? And by the time you get home, you've got an email that says, hey, we talked about my stuff. Do you want to buy my stuff?
2: That, that yeah. leaves an impression,
1: but not necessarily a good one with me, Vicky.
2: Well, and I think that there's an opposite side of that, and that is that they may need your stuff, but if you're not prepared to listen and see how you can apply that, you might Mm -hmm. miss opportunities on the table as well. So that, Mm -hmm. again, is on a spectrum, too, that Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of people that I don't believe in doing a hard sell with mine. And so I think I leave a lot of um, sales on the table because I feel like people need to choose that this is something that they find value in. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to grasp what that value is. And yet, at the same time, when I talk to people who have been doing the work that I share with them over the years, you know, it's been 10, 20 years and they go, oh, I use it every day. Mm -hmm. And you go, Mm -hmm. okay, it's got staying power and therefore, um, you know, it probably needs a stronger sales presence, but I don't know. I think you end up doing what you do um, because you feel like that's the right thing to do. You know, sometimes you just yeah. have to go with your gut.
1: Well, and if you if you present in a way that is not comfortable for you, the other person's going to feel it. So it has to be comfortable for you as well. You know, Vicki, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, what are some other things that you would want to share with our listeners that maybe we haven't touched on again?
2: Well, I came across something that we didn't talk about in the, um, in the previous shows, but I think it's important, especially, you know, now on the heels of our conversation about sales. I think sometimes that we, if we are not born salespeople, You know, entrepreneurs have to learn to become salespeople because they don't have a sales staff. They don't have the HR staff. They don't have, you know, particularly when they're starting out, they may develop to that point where they hire salespeople. But if you don't market your brand, then you're not going to get people to support you in that process. And so um, it's all about the numbers. And so you might want to check how much are your financial goals. How much do you want to make? And then how many clients do you need to reach in order to make that happen? Because we all know there is the magic formula of if I talk to 20 people, one of them may buy my services or products. So, therefore, if I need five sales, I might need to talk to 100 people, you know? So, did you break it down into the week? How many people do I need to Contact this week, and maybe that. If it's a hundred people, I need to contact twenty-five this week. So, kind of thinking of it in terms like that, you'll hone how it works for you. But that will at least give you a start to be able to set some goals, and then have them fill in with your speaking engagements.
1: Yeah, that's that's great information because that is something that many of us, especially those of us who are creative. Um, that's not always our strong suit. So, you know, it's good to be reminded of that. You know, Vicki, at every show, we've always left um, all of our listeners with quotes because that's kind of my format. They leave them with a quote. So can you share the quotes that we shared over the last few, we- few shows?
2: Well, here's a few of them. I don't know that I have all of them, but here are some of them. Um, the First one is from Albert Einstein, and you celebrated this quote uh, and brought it to our attention. The definition of a genius is taking the complex and making it simple. And isn't that the truth? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would like to have coffee with Albert Einstein and just ask him a few things. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's not possible right now, but I think I'll do that in in a future life somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. Another one is from Richard Bach. And he says, overcome fear, behold wonder. And I love Mm that.
1: I do too. I love
2: that. Because when we have the courage to overcome fear, then suddenly information dawns and insights dawn on the eyes, in the eyes of the people who are listening to us speak. And they go, oh. And that's the wonder of the light bulb coming on. So another one is from Robin Williams, and it's no matter what people tell you, words and ideas can change the world. And I added, how will you change the world? Hmm. And then Stephen Covey says, in the last analysis, who we are communicates far more eloquently than anything we say or do. Love it. Love it, Vicky.
1: Well, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to leave you guys with today's quote. And it is, I wish I had written this, but it is an unknown author. Uh, maybe I should take credit. No, I'm not going to take credit for it. But I, I, I love this. I love this. It says, there are certain things in which mediocrity is not to be endured, such as poetry, music, Painting and public speaking, my friends, public speaking. So everything that we've talked about over the last few shows, if you apply that, if you start working towards that, put some implements, some of these tips, tricks, techniques that, that Vicki and I have shared with you, it will raise you up and make you a great speaker and not a mediocre speaker. What are your thoughts, Vicki?
2: I just think that every opportunity that you get to present who you are in front of an audience or an individual requires that you hone your gift and product, which is you. And so everything you do is a stepping stone to a new version of who you are. And that's what we're here to support in accomplishing that. I love that. I love that.
1: Folks, thanks again for joining us on Love That Speaker. Thank you again,
2: my dear friend, Dr. Vicky Hyde. And thank you, Linda. It is such a pleasure to be here and share this. Um, I love the laughter, I love the humor, and I love the information that we exchange with e- each other and with our audience. Yeah,
1: definitely. Folks, check with us again for um, our upcoming shows where we're going to be interviewing great speakers, authors, um, and experts in their field that you'll be able to take away major nuggets and, and hear how they became uh, great speakers and how they present their material. So thanks again for joining us on Love That Speaker. i see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Love That Speaker Radio Show. If you want to be a Love That Speaker expert, sharing your insights and wisdom with the world, contact us at lovethatspeaker at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hope you love that speaker, and we look forward to seeing you next time when we bring you more dynamic speakers. If you are looking for a dynamic speaker, please contact us. At love that speaker at gmail.com.